This might sound a little weird, but the image that comes to me as I pray through this parable is a treadmill. In Minnesota, we love our treadmills, don't we? It's great in the wintertime when you can be able to get some energy, go to the gym, get fired up, not have to go out onto the ice and the snow and risk your life. We love our treadmills. They're good. But the thing about a treadmill is you spend all this energy and you actually go nowhere. You burn all these calories, use all this effort, and you haven't gone anywhere different. You're just in the same spot. For both of these sons today in the parable, they're both on a treadmill. They're both spending all this energy and they're getting nowhere. They're not moving forward at all. For the younger son, he wants his share of the inheritance right now. And he goes off far, far away, but he actually doesn't go anywhere because his life goes totally downhill. He says to his dad, give me my share of the estate, which is basically saying, I wish you were dead. I'm out of here. I don't want you. I don't need you. I'm going to do my own thing. This is an icon of the great lie that so often we believe, which is, without God, I'll be happy. I don't need God to be happy. The the merciful father is, of course, an image of God. And so this younger son, he just strikes out on his own. And before he knows it, he's not just gone downhill. He's with the pigs. He's in the muck. He's hit rock bottom. But he has this moment where the Scripture says he comes to his senses. Maybe some of you here have had that moment where you've gone so far downhill and you really haven't realized it until you've gotten to this place and you're like, why am I here? How did I get here? I don't want to be here. You come to your senses and you decide to turn back, to make a change, and maybe go back the way you came. The younger son realizes that he's not happy at all right now. So he decides to go back to his father And he prepares to degrade himself. He makes up this little speech, and he's like, I'm not worthy to be a son. If I can just be one of my father's servants, one of his slaves, and just just be at this really, really low level, like, that'll be enough. But the father runs out to him. He has compassion on him. He gives him the robe and the ring and the sandals. He treats him as a son. Doesn't even let him finish his speech. He's so happy his son is home. He affirms that he is his son no matter what. He brings him into this party. The older son represents actually another kind of lie that we can believe about God. Just as horrible as the first one we talked about. This lie says, God won't love me unless I work hard enough. God won't see me unless I'm good enough. I won't be happy unless I earn my father's love. Because this younger son, he's, he's this, sorry, this older son is actually just as lost, even though he hasn't left the household. He thinks his father's love is contingent upon how much he works for him, if he's good enough. Has he done enough? Has he accomplished enough? 
And so often that's how we view God. And so we see that frustration that when the father comes out in his rage and his anger and tries to bring him into the party, your, your, your brothers return, come in and rejoice. Even though he's been obeying all the rules and doing all the right things and he hasn't asked for his inheritance, the rage comes up. All these years I slaved for you and you do this for him? He's bound by his own fear that his father won't love him. He's bound by the lie that he has to earn his father's love. And he refuses to rejoice and celebrate something so beautiful and so good. In one sense, this is kind of a religion that has to do with being built on rules only instead of having a relationship first. You know, it's possible, like the older son, you know, that a person can really be in the household of the church and even come to church every single week, but not get that God's love is unearned and unmerited, that God simply loves. He wants to embrace us. We can think that if we just are good enough and work hard enough, we'll finally get God to, to love us, and that is a lie. It is, it is the exact opposite of Christianity. St. Paul said in the second reading, this saying is trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of which I am the foremost, the great St. Paul says, I am the foremost. He came to save me. The whole New Testament, every single page, blows away this idea that religion is about earning God's favor, finding our way into heaven. The good news of Jesus is that the Father loves you and sees you. And when you're lost, whether you're lost in a life of sin and dissipation or whether you're lost in pride and self-righteousness in your ego, he will come to find you. He will pursue you. He will spend your, enti your entire life trying to bring you back and come into the joy of the Father's house. Not because of what you've done or haven't done, but because that's who the Father is. He loves you. He's madly, terribly, agonizingly in love with each of you, with all of us. He wants us to come from being lost to being found, to having despair, to rejoicing to entering into the great feast of eternal life. It's the exact opposite of the treadmill. It's the exact opposite of trying to spend all this energy, but you're not really going anywhere. It's allowing, it's allowing God to find you and bring you into his adventure, his story of salvation with many, many brothers and sisters. One of the most beautiful definitions of who Jesus is goes like this. Jesus is the revelation of God's love for me. Can you do that with me? Jesus is the revelation of God's love for me. One more time. Jesus is the revelation of God's love for me. 
His whole life is about revealing the Father's love for us. His, his scars on the cross, his, his bleeding side, is revealing that God loves you, that he will go to any length to bring you back. He will even shed his blood. He will become the outcast one. He'll become the forgotten one. He will humble himself to save sinners. Who's Jesus for me? Jesus is the revelation of God's love for me. I can be confident that I am God's son. I am God's daughter. No one can take that from me. This is the good news of our faith. This is, this is true religion that has to do not, first of all, with, with rules and moral codes and philosophies, but first of all, with a relationship of unbreakable love that God gives to us first and we respond to. It's not a treadmill. It's not just burning energy for no gain. If you're wondering, like, how, how do I touch that that mercy of Jesus? How do I touch that mercy of God like today, like right now? Well, two really beautiful ways that God comes to seek us. First of all, in the sacrament of reconciliation, God forgives our sins. He washes us clean. We come into that sacrament and we make a holy confession and we don't experience punishment or shame or being cast out. We receive new life and new joy. Now, last year, one of our second graders made his first uh, confession. Now, I didn't see this. I was just told about it because I'm in the box over there. But he walked out of the confessional after making his first confession, first penance. He opens the door, two fists in the air. That's the joy of God finding you. Like, I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Like, he loves me. Nothing's in the way between me and God. So beautiful. That's the joy of the Father's house. Secondly, the Eucharist, what we're doing here today, this is how we experience the Father's love for us in celebrating this banquet of the altar. The church doesn't tell her faithful to come to the Eucharist week after week just to like fulfill a precept or just to fulfill a rule. Like you've got to do this or else God's not going to like you. Like, yes, we have rules in church and rules in our families and rules at work because they protect relationships. But the main purpose that the church calls us here is to rejoice. Like, we were lost and we've been found. Like, we were dead and he saved us. And now we're a family of faith. That's why we come here. We rejoice. We enter into the party. We let God sing over us and lavish his love upon us. And we share that with each other and with the world. It's a relationship first. Friends, if, if you feel like you're on the treadmill today, then ask God for the grace to, to get off and to be led, to be carried, to be embraced by the Father. God came to save us and to give us endless joy because God loves you and you don't need to earn it. And no matter, no matter how far you stray, God will come and seek after you. And this is the good news we celebrate today. Jesus has died for us. Jesus has risen for us. He's our good shepherd. Alleluia.
Amen. Hallelujah.